we're doing something a little different tonight, and uh, uh, we're going to do a story uh, rather than our normal chapter in a night uh, and stuff. So I know some of you really love when we do stories. So uh, it'll be from the Word of God for those of you who are new. So all right, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you so much for this time together. And now, Lord, we ask you to teach us your Word. We ask you to open it up to us, help us have understanding, and Lord, teach us how to apply it to our lives today. We thank you and we want to learn about your character and those who are the character of those who are righteous and how we might model um, those traits. And so we thank you. We pray your blessing now as we enter into your word and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So normally we've been going through a chapter, sometimes even two, uh, on Sunday nights. Uh, but tonight we're going to do the uh, orality method of teaching the Bible. This is the same method that we use uh, for our oral Bible schools in uh, Uganda, Kenya, Sudan, South Sudan, all those areas. And it's a way to, to learn the Bible inductively. Now, why do we say inductively? Well, this is an important way to understand and learn the Bible. In fact, anybody who wants to go deeper into the Word of God, I encourage first to go to Simply the Story and do a Simply the Story workshop. Uh, that You can go to Simply the Story's website find out about upcoming workshops and do it because what it does is it teaches you how to do inductive Bible study. That means that you're going to study the, the Bible as it is. You're not looking to commentators. You're not looking to all these extra resources because the fact is I read a lot of commentaries and there's a lot of bad commentaries and there's a lot of bad information. And so we just want to simply start with the Word and learn how to ask good questions about the Word and see how deep we can go into the Word ourselves. So that's really simply the story. And uh, we are picking up in the, the book of Second Kings this week. Uh, and we are, uh, Elisha has taken over for the ministry of uh, Elijah. He, the, Elijah has passed the mantle to Elisha, and Elijah was taken up into heaven. And Elisha has been a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel, proclaiming God's will to them. Now, there's one last thing I want to tell you before we get into our story, and that's that there is a group of men that were followers of Elijah and Elisha. They were actually called sons of the prophets, and it's almost like Elisha had a school of ministry, and these men helped out, and they served in that ministry, and they were called the sons of the prophet, and that's where our story begins this evening. A certain woman, one of the wives of the sons of the prophets, cried to Elisha, my husband, your servant, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. But now, the creditor has come to take my two children as slaves. So Elisha said to the woman, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And the widow said to Elisha, Your servant has nothing in her house except a jar of oil. So Elisha said, Go everywhere. <laughs> 
to, to all your neighbors and borrow vessels, empty vessels, and not too few, then go into your house and close the door behind you and your sons and pour into the vessels. When one is full, set it aside. So the woman went into her, house, into her home and closed the door behind her and her sons and began to fill the vessels. When one was full, she set it aside. Sorry, she began to fill the vessels and her sons would bring her more vessels. When all the vessels were full, she, she asked her son, bring me another vessel. And he said, there are no more vessels. Then the oil stopped flowing. And the widow went and told the man of God what had happened. And he said, go, sell the oil and pay off your debt and you and your sons live off the rest. That is our story from God's word. We're good? I have my accuracy checker down here. So, uh, now here's the question. I wonder if one of you would be willing to tell back the story as much as you can remember, and I'll get you started, uh, and because our story starts out with uh, now uh, one of the uh, no sorry <laughs> now one of the, the the wife of one of the sons of the prophet cried to Elisha. Would anybody be willing to tell back whatever you can remember and just uh, try your best to tell back the story? And uh, I think you can do it. Somebody can do it. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophet cried to Elisha. Who can do that? I, you'll do it? Go ahead. Go, no, go ahead, Mary. Yeah. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha. Good job. Thank you, Mary. Yeah, I, you definitely got the, uh, the oil and the jars and the sons. Very good. And the slavery. Very, very good. Uh, well, let me, let's just, let me tell the story again, but maybe you can help me tell the story and we can all do it together at this point in time. Uh, and the reason why we do this is because we want to make sure we hear the story accurately at least three times before we start to discuss it so that we know that we have enough information to discuss the story. So now, uh, the wife of, uh, what, what was she the wife of? Do anybody remember? The sons of the prophet cried to Elisha, and does anybody remember what she cried to Elisha about? Something about her husband. What's that? 
He's dead, yeah. My husband, your servant, is dead. And you know that your servant, what did, what, what did she say? Your servant did what? The Lord. He, he feared the Lord. That's right. Um, and now the creditor has come, and, and what has he come to do? To take who? To take her two children as slaves. That's right. So Elijah responded, get away from me, you poor widow. Anybody, no, that's not, that's not how he responded. Uh, what, anybody remember what he said? He said, what, what shall I do for you? Uh, tell me, what do you have in your house? In your house. Good job. Yeah, you got that. What do you have in your house? And she said, your servant has nothing in herself except for what? A jar of oil. So Elisha said, go everywhere and to all your what? All your neighbors and and borrow what? Vessels. Not not just vessels, but what? Empty vessels and not not too few. That's right. And then, then he gave some specific instruction to her and her sons. What, did anybody remember what that instruction was? Yeah, go, go into your house and shut the door behind you and, you and your sons, and then do what? Pour into the vessels, and then when one is what? When one is full, do what with it? Set it aside. You guys have the story down. Set it aside. And, uh, and the widow went from Elisha, and what did she do? She went and shut the door behind her and who? Her sons. And then what did she do? She, she began to fill the vessels, and her sons did what? Would bring her empty vessels. When all the vessels were full, the widow said to her sons, what? Bring me another vessel. And her son said, there are no more vessels. And then something peculiar happened. Anybody remember that? And then the oil stopped flowing. So the widow went and told the man, it was a different title. Anybody remember that? The man of, of God. The widow went and told the man of God what had happened, and then he gave her some instructions. What's that? Go and sell the oil, pay off your debt, and then you and your sons can live on the rest. You guys have the story down. Well, let, let's just talk about the beginning part of the story for just a moment, um, and, and we'll just kind of break the story into chunks. Uh, the first part of our story, it says, now the, the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but now the creditor has come to take my two children as slaves. And Elisha said, 
what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And the woman said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Let's stop there and just talk about the story for a moment. Um, as, as we come into the story, is there anything we can learn about this woman right from the very beginning of the story? Um, is there anything we can learn from the fact that it says the, uh, one of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried to Elisha? Anything we can learn about her from the very beginning of the story? What do you think? She's fearful of God? Yeah. 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 She thinks her blade is rightly that her husband's, probably her faith in the Lord, is deserving of attention by this man of God, that she should not be ignored when they serve the Lord. And she obviously has faith that God will not abandon her, even if her husband yeah, that's actually, that's a great observation that she, she believes that, that her faith shouldn't, shouldn't be ignored. And that, that's, say that last part again one more time. That all they've done won't be forgotten by God. That all they've done won't be forgotten by God. She has the right to ask for help from this man She has a right to ask for help from this man of God, yeah. That's good. Anything else we can learn about her from just this opening bit about this woman. She loves her children, doesn't want to lose them. I think most of us can identify with that, uh, that we wouldn't want to lose our children to slavery for debts. Yeah. What situation did it, oh, go ahead, Mary. So is there anything we can learn about her from the fact that she cried out to Elisha in this way? Brave? Yeah. It seems to me that if they didn't have anything in the house, they must have gave all they had to serve the Lord in their life. They must have given all they had. Yeah, that's actually a very good observation. Uh, Do you think? Could, could we call her desperate? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, I mean, I definitely feel a sense of urgency from the fact that she cried out. Um, she's got this pending collector coming after her sons. And uh, they clearly ha- are very poor individuals. They've given everything. Well, it says, as she cried out, your husband, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. Why, why do you, uh, what is it about that statement that uh, helps us understand the woman but also the husband? What do you think, what about that statement helps us understand a little bit more about their situation? Your, your servant feared the Lord. He trusted in the Lord? Yeah. It's interesting because it, it's kind of strange that she's in this big debt issue, right? 
Um, but yet we see that he seems to be a godly man, right? Um, what do you all think about that? He didn't just um, believe in God and serve God. He wanted to do his part So if you can't hear that, she said he didn't just believe in God, he served God. He actually uh, was actively involved in serving God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she had this confidence in the God in who she served and was willing to go. That's, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think she might be a little bit irritated. That's what you think she might be. Why do you think that? I, my husband served the Lord. We have nothing for him. I think for her to stop, you know, talk out in front of all these men, she was maybe even mad. Her husband served the Lord and had no money. Well, it's possible. Now, do we know that there's other men in there in the story? Yeah. So we want to try to stay within the boundaries of the story. You know, we don't we don't know that for sure, but it's very possible there could have been other people there. But but certainly, when we talk about debt today, do you think debt today could be different from debt? that this woman is speaking about? What does debt today look like? College loans. (laughs) What's that? Overwhelming monster, yeah. Amidst slavery, okay, yeah. But but debt today can be overspending, right? Uh, Spending what you don't have. It can be buying luxuries, things like that. Uh, does it sound like this couple was buying luxuries and, and looking for Porsches, wagons, and with the Porsche brand? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't sound like that because we know that your servant feared the Lord. They were, they were, yeah, he was one of the sons of the prophet, yeah. Yeah, and Mary, you had a comment about that. Oh, you don't want me, okay. Yeah. But we see that men of God often suffer, even though they've done everything right. Think of Elizabeth and Zachariah, who did everything. They were blameless, yet they had no children. Yeah. And so here, like Mary said, what's the deal here, God? Uh, we did everything we we're supposed to do, and we end up bankrupt at the end of our lives. Yeah. And that was not the agreement that he made. 
And, and we know, do anybody remember in my introduction where Elisha was ministering to? Anybody remember that? It was the northern kingdom to Israel. Um, and the reason why that was, is important is that that was a nation that was very corrupt and had set up their own uh, priest and own forms of worship and very much they'd suffered famine from drought by Elijah. Elijah. So, so there's a lot of issues going on there. Well, in our story, it said, uh, she cried to Elijah, your, your servant, my husband is dead. And uh, you know that your servant feared the Lord. And now the creditors are coming to take my two children as slaves. And Elijah, Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Is there anything we can learn about Elisha from this interaction, from what he said? Yeah. He's making her help herself. Like, he, come, come up with an idea, you know, like, bring something to the table. He could just literally hand something to her and say, here, it's all Oh, that's an interesting idea. So he's having her kind of put more of herself to the Lord. Oh, Okay. Yeah, we're going to, I want to hold on to that idea. I want to hold on to that idea because there's something kind of cool that we want to, I want to explore with that idea. That's a really good observation. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, they were trustworthy individuals. Sorry, I didn't hear that last one. Like, did you have to go to like a prophet, like to kind of like, as far as like spiritual matters? Well, the prophet interceded on behalf of you for God. He spoke on behalf of God. So yeah, the prophet was important. Yeah. So like knowing that he was a prophet, then access to God. Oh yeah. So she went to him for access to God. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good observation. Well, uh, she says your servant has nothing in the household in the house except a jar of oil. So Elisha, Elisha said, go everywhere to all your neighbors and borrow vessels, empty vessels and not too few. And <clears throat> go into your house and close the door behind you and your two sons and pour into the vessels. When one is full, set it aside. So the widow went into her house and closed the door behind her and her sons and began pouring. And her sons brought vessels to her. When all the vessels were full, she said, bring me another vessel. And her son said, there are no more vessels. Then the oil stopped flowing. No, let's just talk about this for a moment. Uh, Elisha had asked her, what do you have? And you kind of pointed out, well, he's involving her in the solution a little bit, which I like. Well, he said, go to everywhere. Go all your neighbors and borrow vessels, empty vessels and not too few. What might that have been like for the widow and her sons to go to all the neighbors and borrow vessels?
What's that? Feel rushed, okay. Oh, possibly getting themselves more in debt, okay. Uh, just for a moment, have you ever borrowed something from a neighbor? Uh, and when you go over and say, hey, Bill, uh, can I borrow that saw? Uh, what does Bill say? Yeah, sure. Hey, what you doing? So what might that have been like for this widow and her sons going door to door to borrow empty vessels? Humiliating. Why do you say humiliating? Because you're having to ask for something you don't have. Okay, asking for, okay. But what else? What they might, what might they be telling their neighbors? They really don't know what it's, what it's for yet. The neighbors don't know what it's for. They start talking among themselves. <laughs> yeah, they start, I mean, do you think the woman's going to say, we're borrowing these vessels so we can have oil just continue flowing in my household? The prophet told us to borrow empty vessels. Well, she knows to pour pour into the vessels when one is full. Set it aside. The story says. No, the Elijah Elijah told her uh, in, in our story. It said, uh, "Go everywhere to all your neighbors, borrow vessels, empty vessels, and not too few. Then go into your house and close the door behind you and your two sons." And pour into the vessel. And when one is full, set it aside. So that was the instructions from the prophet. Yeah. Was the company of men still there when you said that? We don't know. to her neighbors what God was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, that's actually a, a wonderful observation. You know, the widow actually had a choice she could make at this point. And the choice was to follow the instructions of the prophet, which we see she did in the story. But could she have made a different choice? What other choices could the widow have made? Not done it? Yeah, you're crazy prophet. <laughs> right? Or she could have surrendered her two sons. Okay, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Or maybe she could have given herself up in her son's place. 
She could have given herself up in her son's place. If she's like me, she could argue with God that, hey, this is great. Everything's terrible for me, and now you want me to humiliate myself some more. <laughs> <laughs> so knowing what she did do, that she did go to her neighbors and borrow these empty vessels, what can we learn about the widow? She enlisted the help of her sons. Yeah, that's right. Okay. She, yeah. It kind of stayed. It's like, you know, you're, you're talking about that last Sunday, I believe it was, about uh, Sunday morning, about, about involve your kids. Your involve your kids, kids. yeah. In, yeah, include them, you know. Yeah. Not so, not so, so she involved her kids. So what can we learn about the widow and the fact that she didn't choose to say, okay, go on to slavery, kids, or, yeah, that's not going to work, or this prophet's crazy. What can we learn about her? She was obedient. Yeah, she actually trusted Elisha. Um, I, I kind of look at that part of the story and go, man, I'm going to go to my neighbors knocking on doors and saying, uh, collectors are coming after my kids. The prophet told me to borrow empty vessels to pour oil in somehow, and this is going to care for them. Wow. I, I, she was obedient. Yeah, it shows that she had faith, right? Um, if we were to define faith based off of what we saw the widow do, what, how might we define what faith is from this story? Not necessarily seeing the result as of yet, but believing it to be so. Okay, yeah. Anybody else want to help out with that one? How might we define faith based on the widow's actions? Yeah. Her actions were urgent. Like she just did it right away. She acted with urgency. She she moved right away. She didn't make excuses or anything like that. Yeah. Anybody else? Sounding behind? Maybe uh, acting shamelessly knowing that God was going to move. Because from the outside, uh, pouring oil from one vessel to a whole bunch of other vessels is seemingly foolish and seemingly impossible, but despite how weird that looked, she wasn't ashamed of what, what that looked like. She knew that the result was going to be um, something that the Lord wanted. So, okay. I mean, faith is like, you know, do, working for the Lord um, in a way that makes may look foolish or impossible or um, impractical from the outside. So faith is, even if it looks impossible, being obedient and doing what God's called you to? Yeah. Well, I just took all the things you said and tried to summarize. I, I don't know if this is picking up for our live stream, so uh, it's kind of trying to repeat everyone. Uh, well, so we, we hear in the story that, that the widow left the prophet, went into her house and closed the door behind her and her two sons. I'm going to pause there for a minute. Do you think closing the door had anything to do with this whole process? Hmm. 
know, so that, yeah. I think it had to do with her obedience, the fact that Elijah, Elijah yeah. told her to do it, that it was a, an important part in the step, but also, as someone else said, that he was well known, as was his previous, previous uh, prophet, and didn't want it to be a spectacle. It was just supposed to be for her and her sons. Okay. Yeah. Elisha and Elijah show me a parallel with Christ. And one of the things Christ did is when he would do his miracles, sometimes he would require people to leave an area. And everybody get out of the house while I do this. Only the parents are going to see this child <coughs> healed and so on. So when you get your instructions in those circumstances, you just do what Jesus says, whatever it is. Yeah, you just get your instructions and do what Jesus says. Yeah, the, the prophet gave her the instruction, and then we, we read that she followed the instruction. That's interesting. Anybody else have any other observations? The reason I'm asking if you have an observation about this is I just don't know. And I just want to hear what your thoughts are on the subject. Anybody else have any other thoughts on why she was to close her door behind her and her two sons? Okay, well, maybe you'll think about that one for a moment. Uh, well, she said, it said, the story says she closed the door behind her and her two sons and began pouring into the vessels. And uh, her sons would bring her vessels. And when all the vessels were full, she asked, bring me another vessel. And her son said, there are no more vessels. Then the oil stopped. Uh, there's... One individual in our story that we haven't asked a question yet about, and that is God. We haven't asked any questions about God and how we see God in this story. I wonder if in this miracle we can learn anything about God in this part of our story. What do you all think? He did a miracle before behind closed yeah. doors. Didn't they not start with a small jar of oil? Yeah, they only had one jar of oil. Yeah. Because you kept pouring and all these vessels were eventually full. Kept pouring and all those vessels were full? He provided for her needs. He provided for her needs, yeah. He had mercy on her. What's that? He had mercy on her. He had mercy on her. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, he supplied her yeah. much. Yeah. 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 And since he gave her, left her with some life insurance, right? <laughs> so, you know, I don't know, I think you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say that it's very interesting how the distinction that it wasn't the law, it wasn't the prophet, it wasn't the Israel people that was caring for the lady who provided for her was God himself. And, and to me, that, that hit me hard because sometimes we think that we can go around all that. <coughs> the first place to go is the Lord. He is the one that has promised to take care of us. And he may use other ways. He may use the church. He may use the sister and the brothers. But it's God the one that provides for us. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good point. Sometimes we do look to what we can see versus actually wait on the Lord for help. Yeah, I think so. 
John repeatedly says that he's really concerned for widows and orphans, and he's very angry when people take advantage of them, and he's quick to help them. Okay. Yeah. God is quick to, uh, he has a heart for orphans and widows, and he gets angry when people take advantage of them. And Holly, you wanted to say something? I think that uh, one of the reasons why God gave the instruction to Elisha for the widow to go to her neighbors was an opportunity for her to receive love from her community. That by her going and asking to borrow things, it was a way of God moving the hearts of her neighbors to show generosity to her in her community. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's actually a point, too. She borrowed vessels, so what does that imply? She had to bring back vessels. Do you think she had a story when she brought back those vessels of God's provision to all of her neighbors? Yeah. Well, uh, the, the, the text tells us that, that when all the vessels were full, the oil stopped. Then the oil stopped. Um, anybody at all think about like the law of entropy or like <laughs> any of these physical laws of our universe? I don't know. For me, that's the first thing I think about. I was just explaining explain that to my kids the other day. We were watching a YouTube video about these candles and how you could get more heat from a candle. I'm like, no, that's impossible. Any years why? There's this little law called the law of entropy, and energy only gets lost. It doesn't just create itself and all these things. And then uh, I read this story in preparation for, for this week, and I'm like, well, there's the God factor, right? <laughs> There's the, what God can do. <laughs> so, Lucy, I guess your dad is wrong anyway. But for all purposes in the physical world, you have to obey these laws. Anyway, uh, so the text says that uh, the woman did something after the oil stopped. Does anybody remember what the woman did? The last part of the, the very last part of the story. Uh, well, she asked for more vessels, and then her son said, there are no more vessels. Then the oil stopped, and then she did something. She what? She, she went and, and told the man of God what had happened. And then he gave her some instruction. Anybody remember that instruction? Go sell the oil. Pay your debt. And then you and your two sons can live off the rest. Now, what can we learn about the woman from the fact that she, this miracle had happened, and then she goes directly to the man of God afterwards? Is there anything we can learn about her? She was honest. Why do you say honest and faithful? Yeah, she could have just went and sold the oil, right? What the intent of it was? Yeah. Duncan, were you going to say something? Did you say something? She knew that the instructions that began were just go, go through that. So maybe she's just listening to that and then we'll talk now. Can you say that one more time? I'm sorry. At the beginning, 
the first step. And then now that that was done, she would to go back to now for the second step. Now that now that it was done, you know, filling up the. Yeah. Okay. So she kind of looked at it as a step process. Okay. You gave me the first step. Now give me the next one. The next instruction. Yeah. So, I mean, she could have made a different choice, right? She could have gone and just sold the oil. She could have done it. So what can we learn about her character from the fact that she did go back to the man of God and ask for the next set of instructions? How did she view this oil? Well, exactly. She was a woman of God. She didn't think. She went straight back to the who had completed the miracle for her and said, Do with me this the Lord. I mean, she he didn't know what the Lord would do, but he was, I assume he might have taught her But I think that she that's the first thing I would do. Look what the Lord has done. He is the man of God. He was the Okay. I think the great fact that she went back to the man of God at this point. She's it's he's been called a man of God. Indicating that there is a work of God involved in this, and just kind of, kind of going back and thanking Him or acknowledging what God has done um, for her. Um, just, just the very fact that that the narrator called Him a man of God at this point, reminding us that He is the representative for God. Now, let me ask you this: Whose oil was it? Well, why, why do you say it's God's? He's what? God provided it? Why else do you say it's God's oil? Because of its abundance? Well, who did, whose oil did the widow think it was? Did she? Yeah, she went back to God. Okay, I have all this oil. What do I do with it? Isn't that awesome in the story that this woman knows her need? She does the instructions of what Elijah, the prophet, has told her to do. And she goes back to the man of God, says, here's what happened. What now? I don't, from the story, it looks like this woman didn't think it was her oil. So she said, what to do, what do you do now? And the man of God said, go, sell the oil, pay off your debt. And you and your two sons can live on the rest. What, what, what can we learn about the oil from what this prophet said about it? It, it was valuable, for sure. It was valuable. But what can, what can we learn about the possession of the oil? Who, whose oil did the man of God think it was? What's that? Was it? What did he tell her to do with it? Go sell it. And then what did he give her permission to do? Pay off her debt. And so once again, I'm going to ask that question. Whose oil did the man of God think it belonged to? It was God's. And, and he gave her permission. This is what you can do with that oil. God gave it back to the woman. 
I, I just think it's an awesome story about God's provision and goodness. You know, in our story, and oh man, we're going late here. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. We'll, we'll wrap this up. Uh, in our story, we have, we have just observed uh, this act of faith and obedience that the woman had to exercise with her two sons. Are you and I ever in a position to exercise faith this way today? Have you, or I, have you ever experienced a, a time when you've had to exercise faith uh, and act upon something that you didn't see the solution to up in front? Has anybody ever been in that position before? I know I have. <laughs> anybody else been in that position before? Well, let me ask you this. What can we learn from the woman going forward? Is there anything we can learn from her uh, from this story that we might take with us out of here and say, this is how I'm going to act when, when I need to exercise faith? Yeah. She did what we learned from Stella. She went straight to God. She wasn't, okay, what am I going to do? She just wouldn't go right away and not rely on herself. Yeah, she didn't rely on herself. She went straight to the Lord. That's a really wonderful observation. If you go ask God, he will provide what you need. Well, what he believes you need, right? Well, yeah. That's what, I mean, take your Yeah. Well, let me tell you this. Uh, I, I hope you'll continue uh, asking questions about these story, the story. The story can be found in 2 Kings chapter 4, and it's verses 1 through 7. Uh, I want to challenge you to go home and tell this story to somebody else. You guys now know the majority of the story. Maybe keep talking about it with your family you're here with or asking questions about it and dive deeper into the story. Certainly, we didn't have time to exhaust this story tonight. Well, let's go ahead and pray and we'll finish in worship. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time together. And Lord, we thank you for this, the faith of this widow. Lord, going before you, Lord, she had practiced serving you with her husband And now she knew to go to you. And Lord, uh, we want to rely upon you, not only in the times of trial, but also just in all the times of every, uh, of all the things that we face in life and and the decisions we make. Lord, uh, we want to be faithful with the things that you give to us. And we ask, Lord God, that you would um, bless us as we go out from here. And, uh, And we thank you so much for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And, okay, one minute before we sing the song, I want to I say one thing. Felipe, can you stand up for a minute? Thank you. Uh, Felipe. So, Felipe, uh, come on up here, Felipe. Uh, Felipe is always blesses us. He comes from Chile. What part of Chile do you live in? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it's next to Vina Del Mar. I know that. So, kind of. No? Okay, yeah, I did it. All right, so uh, Felipe comes, and uh, he's always a blessing um, when he comes here. He, he just gets plugged in and serves and ministers to the congregation. Now, you're leaving this week to go back to Chile, and you're actually going, you've cut your trip short to, because you have an aunt who's sick, correct? Um, and what's her name? Gloria. Gloria. So we want to pray for uh, Gloria. Is she in the hospital or at home? She's in the home. Okay, but you're going to go help take care of her. 
Okay, so we're going to pray for Felipe. And uh, Felipe, we so appreciate the gifts that you've brought into this fellowship. Every year when you come, you're such a, uh, a real blessing to this church. So we thank you for that. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for Felipe. We thank you for this wonderful servant of you, uh, this man of God. And Lord, we pray that as he travels back home, Lord, that you would take him safely. Lord, we can't wait for him to be back here with us and uh, in this family. And uh, But while he's gone, we pray that you'd use him mightily for your name. We pray for Gloria, and we ask, Lord, for your healing. We pray that you'd restore her strength to her, uh, heal her, dear Lord. And uh, thank you so much for Felipe ready to go take care of his aunt in this way. So use him as a great minister for your gospel. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The whole point of simply the story is that you would learn God's word, that you would continue to discuss it. So I really want to challenge you to test yourselves throughout the week on how much, how many of the details you remember the story. Here's the call to action forms if you need to contact your state assembly member or state senator. They're right up here. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Amen. Anybody knows someone who is a shut-in or could use some encouragement. These flowers are in memory uh, for uh, Mike Rainey's memorial, and the family would like them to go to somebody who could use some encouragement. So you're welcome to take one with you.